0: Hello, this is Dr. Dan Guerra coming to you from Authentic Biochemistry Studios. It is actually the 28th of February 2020, so in normal years, this would be the last day of February, but this is a leap year, so we have one more day of February left. Lucky us. So, what I'm going to do today is continue along this arc that I've been following that includes both auto-inflammatory diseases... The inflammation response itself, and it's associated innate and acquired immune cell lineages, and tissue beds, plus introduce once again, and then follow up at the end with how inflammation, a particular kind of inflammation that's mediated by sphingolipid metabolism in the lungs, is associated with the current coronavirus that came out of China in uh, late 2019, starting in December, at least when it was first reported. And now at the end of February, we're having further discussion of this disease. It's a pretty large outbreak in China, um, reporting somewhere around 79,000 cases so far. You've got a mortality proportion rate somewhere around 3%. um, So people are... um, surviving this virus. It's not as lethal as, for example, the MERS was. Uh, It's around two and a half, three percent, depending on the numbers you look at. Um, Still much higher than we'd like to see. So far, it's not really a pandemic because even though there are some isolated cases in lots of other countries, most of those cases are just because people uh, travel there. And the people that are sick there are people that were in China or we had direct contact with someone in those provinces in China where the disease uh, was at its epicenter. So in the United States, we have a very small number of patients. They are quarantined and they are being treated. This is a virus, so treatment usually just means taking care to keep a person hydrated, uh, to keep the fever down, usually with uh, acetaminophen or ibuprofen. Uh, and then basically, just to keep them nutritionally uh, secure and maintain uh, the uh, normal body stats so that the person can recover on their own because of the immune system itself. Uh, there are um, discussions, and there probably are formulations being generated right now to epitopes, probably of the spike protein, maybe also of the nucleocapsid protein of uh, this particular single stranded positive sense uh, RNA virus. Uh, so that there could be a vaccine uh, down the road um, uh, in in maybe a year or more after it gets tested in the animals models, and then also in uh, some pilot studies with humans. Right now, though, there are a lot of other targets that could be used for this virus. That's what I'm trying to do here. I'm a lipid biochemist, and because this disease, like a lot of diseases that are associated with inflammation, trigger a sphingolipid pathway that uh, is intimately involved in the production of a multi organellar system within infected cells or within cells that have been compromised other ways, like just normal tissue damage, uh, producing producing a structure called the inflammasome, which ultimately uh, allows for single transduction that leads to the degradation of macromolecules within those cells, either pyroptosis, apoptosis, and sometimes... Um, stopping at a plateau of autophagy. Anyways, those cells become compromised. They start producing pro-inflammatory cytokines. They start producing um, fatty acids that have been oxygenated that induce uh, vasoconstriction and increase the probability of having local fevers uh, and tremors. Uh, And so this relates then to all of the presentation you get with viral disease like with flu. Uh, This is not a flu, it's a totally different virus, but some of the symptomology that you get, even some of the uh, CAT scans that you can uh, uh, examine, uh, at least in the early stages of the disease, don't uh, differentiate very well from other kinds of upper respiratory diseases. (laughs) So the way about looking for Uh, patients uh, as myriad, and we'll talk about that later. So let's get into what I want to talk about, which again, this is authentic biochemistry. So we're going to talk about the molecular biology, the molecular biochemistry, and the patho-biochemistry of inflammation, mostly. And then again, tie it back uh, to coronavirus, uh, where appropriate. So again, this is Dr. Daniel John Guerra, and this is Authentic Biochemistry, 28 February. Where are we at so far um, for coronavirus, I, I told you it was an epizootic human pathogen that mutates in alternate animal hosts. For example, bat seems to be where it's uh, been coming from based on sequence um, information. Transmission and viral replication require receptor-mediated movement of virions and subsequent cytosolic synthesis of the genomic and subgenomic RNAs. Former represents the new genome and next generation of virus, the latter is the source of all the viral proteins necessary to manufacture. That uh, next generation. Ceramide, sphingomyelin, and then proteins like interferons, structures like inflammasomes, cytokines, chemokines, pattern recognition receptors, toll like receptors, nod like receptors, danger associated molecular patterns, pathogen associated molecular patterns, and transcription factors are all networked as basic canonical agents of the cellular and signaling pathways of that disease, and indeed of, of basic inflammation. The bioenergetics with the epithelial and, and immune cell lineages, the epithelial the ones that could be targeted as uh, virally challenged or have other kinds of damage or stress, uh, play a significant role in disease severity, and lung tissue damage as in the infiltration and activation of certain um induced macrophages. Okay. So uh, macrophages that are induced, that are modified in such a way that they become um, pro-inflammatory. Those kinds of macrophages are the ones that are found in the lung where people have, uh, for example, the full course of the disease, the coronavirus, the current one, the COVID-19. So what I want to swing back on and really discuss right now are lipids obviously serve multiple functions as membrane components, signaling, and bioenergetic substrates, and that's what we're going to link into here. Now, remember what inflammasomes are, they trigger a dimerization of a protein called, uh, it's a protease too, it's called caspase-1, and that generates pro-inflammatory cytokines because it cleaves pro-proteins of uh, interleukin-18 and interleukin-1 beta, and then there's an activation on certain pattern recognition receptors by uh, either pathogen-associated or damage-associated with your host. There, the latter inducing a unique formation, specific inflammasome structures within cells. The inflammasomes then provide a pathogen-linked host defense, so they're good things. Although they cause a presentation of disease, but you get unregulated or superactivated inflammasomes, and those cause hyperinflammation, autoinflammation as self-antigens ultimately, and sometimes sustained inflammation. And all that, depending on where it's occurring, for example, the central nervous system can cause neurodegeneration, like in Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease and prefrontal dementia, among some, and also with TBI associated with neurodegeneration. But you also get an endocrine, paracrine, autocrine effect, and then that ultimately leads to a morbidity and mortality. And indeed, this can be associated with virulent pathogens, for example, this current coronavirus distinction between a defensive and destructive inflammasome system therefore becomes an important med problem because it, you need to resolve that to be able to develop an experimental design to be able to direct some kind of pharmacotherapy strategy. Now, this is thinking small molecule pharmacotherapy. Of course, if we use a, an antibody to specific epitopes on a virus, then we're talking more like a vaccination, right? So there are differences in how you go about um, clearing vir- viral spread, clearing a viral outbreak. Small molecules are often used in cancer and in other kinds of anti- auto-inflammatory diseases or diseases with a cell proliferation, and they are quite effective. Uh, also, of course, immunotherapy is used, checkpoint inhibitors, for example, the PD, pdl one CTLA-4, systems that have been used frequently in lots of different diseases, <laughs> uh, which we'll talk a little bit about this morning but also uh, basically can be probably triggered, uh, armed and triggered for viral disease. It's just not something that has been well examined, but that's kind of what I'm trying to do here is look at different molecular targets other than looking directly at the virus. So ceramide is a really important lipid, and it's produced by an enzyme called sphingomyelinase. That's one way. And when ceramide is produced by a particular sphingomyelinase uh, isoform called ASM or acid sphingomyelinase, because it works in low, lower pHs, it actually inactivates and induces the inflammasome. <laughs> so, ASM catalyzed ceramide production will drastically change physiological characteristics of membrane structures. This is where the real action is. Cause a reorganization of molecules, signaling cascades, and that can lead to all kinds of inflammation and inflammation-associated signaling pathways. Um, For example, the pattern recognition receptors, which can be divided into two basic types. You have a transmembrane protein that's found, for example, in endosomes and in the plasma membrane, of course, and those can include things like toll-like receptors. And then you have the intracellular compartments, including something called the AIM-2-like receptor, that's called an ALR, then you have the NOD-like receptors, NLRs. Then you finally have something called the RIG-like receptors, or RLRs. Those are all subtypes of PRRs. Remember, PRRs are associated with this whole response because they trigger sensor activation, oligomerization, recruitment of things like apoptosis-associated speck-like protein-containing card, which includes a pyrin domain and a caspase recruitment domain. Remember, that's all associated with inflammasome induction and activation. So you have basically this inflammasome network that's linked to caspase one and often to either apoptosis, where you're triggering the cleavage of pro interleukin 18 and pro interleukin 1 beta. Those are pro-inflammatory cytokines. Once they're cleaved by the caspase one, and they can those that basically generating their bioactive inflammatory cytokines. So the caspase one is also used to trigger the programmed inflammatory inflammatory cell death that we call pyroptosis. So pyroptosis is a subclass of apoptosis. And the, the big difference between the two is that it generates a really large inflammatory response, whereas apoptosis doesn't typically. And it's associated then with a stress response within the cell that will lead to cell rupture. Therefore, not only signaling via the production of these pro-inflammatory cytokines, but releasing contents Different than necrosis, though, because it is a programmed death. Uh, so it's different than just cells disintegrating because of aging or because of damage. Uh, pyrotosis is a PCD, but it's not the kind of PCD that apoptosis is because it doesn't maintain itself within and control the amount of manufacture of potentially um, antigens, which can then be loaded onto presenting cells and then trigger a full-blown immune response. So apoptosis tends to ma- lower the threshold well, inc- high, increase the threshold of inflammation and therefore lower the possibility of getting an inflammatory response. Pyroptosis is exactly the inverse of that. Pyroptosis is probably what's going on with the coronavirus, by the way. All right, so I told you that <laughs> metabolism is sphingomyelin and ceramide. And of course, the other product for that reaction would be phosphorylcholine. We'll link it, link it back into lipid synthesis. That's another whole thing I'm going to talk about eventually. Um, you can also make uh, ceramide via salvage pathways, for example, uh, coming from sphingosine. You have, of course, the de novo pathway coming from palmitoyl-CoA and the amino acid L-serine. So you have neutral and acidic sphingomyelinases. The one we're, in, we're interested here is the acidic one. The acidic sphingomyelinase is localized uh, first time it was determined to be in the lysosome and therefore it's acidic pH. But then it was found that it can also um, catabolize the protein-associated sphingomyelin at a higher pH, and so that means there are two distinct forms, a secretory form, or SASM, and then the non-secretory form, which stays within the cell, Uh, and that's called the lysosome or LASM. So you see both in the literature. But anyway, what they basically do is foster uh, post-translational modification trafficking of various types of proteins that can lead to an inflammatory response, like the pro-inflammatory cytokines. So, okay. Collectively also data suggests that reactive oxygen species are generated when you have a fully functional acid sphingomyelinase, uh, but the activity and saturation kinetics and potential turnover that inhibition have not really been well examined, but that's part of the whole thing. So reactive oxygen species also help maintain a heightened activity of ASM. Uh, so we're almost at... Uh, point where we can get with new information. I told you there are two distinct things. There's apoptosis, that's programmed cell death, sensus strictu, and that requires a particular cysteine dependent aspartate-specific protease or caspase. Um, that produces an orchestrated disassembly of the cell. It cleaves cellular substrates remi- resulting in like a cytoplasm nuclear condensation, ultimately DNA cleavage into ladder formations. Maintenance, though, at the end of intact plasma membrane maintaining the degradation products. Remember, uniquely, the caspase-1-dependent programmed cell death we call pyrotosis is a PCD that's stimulated by a range of microbial infections like salmonella, franchiella, legionella, those are all bacteria, and non-infectious stimuli like TBIs, um, uh, 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 um, disorders or damage to the brain, and, and also a lot of other host factors where, where in, in things like myocardial infarctions can also generate caspase-1. And then all those processes then cause the inactive precursors of the pro-inflammatory cytokines to become fully uh, pro-inflammatory. And that causes plasma membrane rupture and a release of the pro-inflammatory intracellular cancer. Disease. So like I said, with TBI, traumatic brain injury, as well as a disease, a frank disease, bacterial or viral, um, as well as other kinds of tissue damage, for example, a heart attack, all can lead to py- pyroptosis. So it's a common uh, threaded mechanism in generating inflammation, not just viral. paper published back in French of pharmacology showed that, this was back in 3rd of November in 2016, this paper was published, it talks about an oral drug called fingolimode. And that, that that drug is known to act on the receptors for the sphingolipid, sphingosine one phosphate, particularly in secondary lymphoid organs. But to date, you no know, studies at this point in 2016, when this paper was published, showed an inverse effect of fingolimod and other drugs. That that drug was generated for the people with MS or multiple sclerosis, because that also is a neurodegenerative disease, right? a major one in younger adults, younger meaning between the ages of 25 and 50. And it was always determined that fingolimod uh, controls some kind of metabolism of sphingolipids. So the research from this paper suggested that no such effect was associated with fingolimod, but it did reveal that there was a strong specific increase of ceramides, okay, so not sphingosine, but is a different kind of sphingolipid, and, and of particular chain lengths. And especially interferon-beta-treated multiple sclerosis patients had more ceramide. Okay. So that's where this came about. So, again, paper published in November of 2016, Fingolimod is used as treatment for multiple sclerosis. It targets receptors, and believes to target receptors for the sphingosine 1-phosphate. And only type one interferon elicited a strong and specific increase in ceramides. So remember, interferon is part of the mechanism and the machinery that's turned on when you have nucleic acid in the cytoplasm. Remember that triggers that two prime five prime A synthetase, and that will then allow for an alteration of RNA species, either generating a duplex RNA, so it's degraded, uh, and that if that uh, one of the RNA species in that duplex was, say, the subgenomic RNA of of a RNA virus, obviously it's going to stop viral replication. But it's also, that same system is also going to degrade anything, any messenger RNAs, where you're going to be able to generate some homology to that RNA. And again, that's a way to clear the cell of any potentially uh, translatable product, or if it's a virus, of course, packaging and ultimately, uh, viral infection and spread. Uh, now more on MS. Now, why I'm doing this is I'm trying to put together here, uh, this inflammation response, right? is linked back to lots of different kinds of diseases. It's the trunk of the tree. So in order for you to understand where coronavirus is or any viral disease is, you have to know that there are basic structures, mechanisms, events indeed, events within the cell that are triggered holistically, canonically, to respond to stress or tissue damage. Viruses cause stress and tissue damage. One of the reasons they start replicating and start using up all the Transcriptional, translational machinery of a cell that puts a stre- cell in, into a stress mode, and then you get sometimes an unfolded protein response in the plasma particulum, For example, that can lead to incorrect and appropriate glycosylation patterns, the production of those proteins, putting them on the cell surface, and then those proteins acting as antigens and then being associated with MHC class one or MHC class two. Uh, getting involved with antigen presenting cells and then triggering response that ultimately lead to an acquired immune response with T effector cells, causing a major inflammatory response, right? So, MS, remember, is an autoimmune disorder and it basically involves a degradation of myelin sheath, which is sphingomyelin. It is actually the most common cause for permanent disability in young adults, as I said. It's probably about 2.5 to 2.6 million people worldwide where about 85% of those patients are affected by what they call relapse remission trajectory-like associated myelin-specific memory T-cells. And they reside in the lymphoid tissue, for example, in the lung, moving from lung-draining lymph nodes to the central nervous system by something called a bystander activation process during respiratory uh, activity. So at the blood-brain barrier, this is still all talking about this MS paradigm, T-cells will slow down, uh, for example, via an interaction of the alpha-4 integrins with the vascular cell adhesion molecule called VCAM-1 for short. They ultimately then, because they slow down, they can penetrate the central nervous system through the BBB. And with the help of lytic enzymes, like the uh, matrix metalloproteinases, particularly two that are well known to be involved in MS, are... MMPs 2 and 9 isoforms. Uh, T-cells are then activated by a local myelin-presenting perivascular dendritic cell or maybe a microglia, depending on where it's at. That results ultimately in the upregulation of co-stimulatory molecules like a CD80, and then you get the formation of chemokines, which allow for trafficking of cells, uh, and then, of course, cytotoxic cytokines, right, such as the interleukin family, we talk about the pro-inflammatory cytokines. So during disease progression, MS progression, and depending on individual genetic disposition or predisposition, depending on whether or not it's epigenetic or uh, genetic, myelin sheath damage develops into a multi-causal process. It activates B lymphocytes, antibody-dependent pathologies. You get CD8-plus directed cytotoxicity, that's the T-cell lineages. You get auto-inflammatory monokines. And ultimately, we get reactive oxygen species. This is what overall causes this neurodegeneration. Now, let's talk about how sphingolipids enter this system. Again, remember, this is relapsing, uh, remitting multiple sclerosis. This is the common multiple sclerosis, also known as RRMS, right? Okay. Sphingolipids play a major role here ceramides are synthesized de novo in the er typically that's where ceramides are made Um, and leading that leads to a choline phosphate uh, and a serine excuse me and a ceramide after after uh, de novo synthesis or after degradation of sphingomyelin and ultimately when you make ceramide you can go on to make the myelin she sphingomyelin or you can conjugate that ceramide with sugar like galactose, and then you make galactosylceramides. ceramides. Those are also important in the central nervous system. Those are part of the myelin sheath. Now, with the help of ceraminidases and sphingosine kinases, isoforms 1 and 2, ceramides can actually be metabolized to down to sphingosine, because you're removing the amphetamine fatty acid, and ultimately the sphingosine can be phosphorylated, sphingosine 1-phosphate, and that plays its own role, remember. Remember the fingolimog besides the novo proliferation of ceramides, they can also be produced by the salvage pathways, either by breaking down the sphingosine 1-phosphate to sphingosine and ceramide, or by recycling complex sphingolipids, for example, sphingomyelin, and that's via, of course, the acid sphingomyelinase pathway that's going to result in direct local ceramide release, and that's going to alter membrane raft formation. Now, Interestingly, this is something I'm going to leave you with today, and then we're going to get back to it. Antidepressants, commonly used ones for neuropsychiatric MDD diagnosis. Antidepressants, like, for example, the somewhat less used now, tricyclic and or the fluoxetine or Prozac, right, which is an SSRI they mediate the therapeutic effects by inhibiting acid sphingomyelinase. That's right. That's how they work. I know they're called SSRIs because they do inhibit the reabsorption of serotonin and therefore maintain it at the synapse to allow it to continue to stimulate via neurotransmission. But how that occurs, the mechanism whereby you get this inhibition of reabsorption of serotonin, is by the activation of acid sphingomyelin. thus generating lipid rafts, which move around the serotonin amongst other neurotransmitters. That's right. So tricyclics I just mentioned to you are associated with a buildup of sphingomyelin. Uh, That was published in ACS Nano back in 2019, August 27th. The full citation is uh, volume 13, page 9363. Tricyclics are associated with the buildup of schwinklomone. That means they're inhibiting ASM. Furthermore, injection of a particular molecular species of ceramide called C16O or palmitoyl ceramide into the hippocampus is sufficient to induce depression-like behavior in a mouse model, in a wild-type mouse model. Downstream of ceramide, of course, sphingosine 1-phosphate is another very important signaling molecule, as I've been saying, throughout many lectures on uh, authentic biochemistry and also in various med video lectures, um, but especially in, uh, in uh, MS, right, in multiple sclerosis. In fact, by activating some five known sphingosine 1-phosphate receptors, there's five different receptors here, on the plasma membrane in various cells, sphingosine 1-phosphate actually influences cellular process like cell cycle, apoptosis, pyrotosis, and the regulation of cytokine expression. So it's a major signaling pathway leading directly to either controlling or inhibiting inflammation, controlling or activating programmed cell death. Furthermore, a steep stringent one phosphate gradient between blood and secondary lymphoid compartments uh, regulates the egress of lymphocytes out of secondary lymphoid organs and ultimately can, of course, enter other vascular beds. And this is the problem, of course, when you have uh, a disease such as a coronavirus, right? So all of this is going to get linked back. I'm showing you how a discussion of just now MS, multiple sclerosis, how general inflammation, and then we're going to start talking again about cancer research, particularly about cellular carcinoma and leading. Precursor to that, or non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, and uh, also hepatitis associated, the Nash associated with non-alcoholic steatotic hepatitis, Nash. Those kinds of disorders of the liver also link back to sphingolipid metabolism. All of that leading to inflammation. We're talking about inflammation in the central nervous system with MS. We're talking about inflammation in the liver. We're talking about um, hepatic issues such as uh, AFLD. And of course, we're also talking about, um, the same kinds of disorders in various other organs, secondary lymphoid organs, et cetera. So this is Dr. Dan Guerra saying bye for now from Authentic Biochemistry. Stay, stay tuned. Part two is coming right up. This is the 28th of February, 2020. Bye for now.